the Blaze Radio Network. On demand. Love. Courage. Truth. Glenn Beck. Good news. The Austin bomber has been found and he's dead today. The last three weeks, if you live in the Austin area, people have been living in terror. It came to an end late last night. It started on March 2nd. Law enforcement looked totally baffled as a bomb and then another one and then another one began going off in what seemed like random locations. The killer appeared to be one step ahead of police the entire time. And yesterday, just yesterday, we were talking about, is this a group? Is this somebody who has law enforcement experience? A reward was offered, leaving many people to believe that the investigation was going nowhere. But that all changed 24 hours ago, and it changed at the FedEx facility. There's a sorting facility, and a bomb went off early yesterday. One additional bomb was found at a separate FedEx facility several miles away. And for the first time since March 2nd, the bomber had changed his tactics. Rather than hand-delivering the bombs, which he had done for all the others, he was now using a delivery service. Well, police tracked the package that exploded at the FedEx sorting facility to its original drop-off store in the small Austin suburb. After checking the store's surveillance cameras, they caught a break. There, on multi-camera CCTV footage, was the killer. Police were then able to identify the bomber's car, his name, which still has not been released, and we, nor the Blaze, will release his name. After triangulating his cell phone, law enforcement converged on a small motel. The killer, which is being described as a 24-year-old white male, saw police moving in and bolted. After a brief chase, he blew himself up. So much is still unknown. We don't know his motives. Uh, Were the bombings truly random? Was there a specific purpose? Was he just trying to get famous? Whatever. Right now, all we know is this. He's dead. The most immediate question is, are there any more bombs out there? Austin Police Chief Brian Manley stated that there is a time gap of at least 24 hours where they have no idea where the killer had gone or what he was doing, which means he could have been making or delivering more bombs. If you're in the Austin area, it is not over yet. Stay vigilant. But no, that although some people think that this is meaningless to say, it's not. Our thoughts and our prayers are with you. It's Wednesday, March 21st. You're listening to the Glenn Beck Program. We have an amazing show for you today. We have, it's, it's Down, Syndrome's, uh, Down Syndrome Day, uh, where we are supposed to, you know, at least recognize that some people's lives are worth living if they have Down Syndrome. We have an amazing uh, guest coming up in about 30 minutes. Uh, she has Down Syndrome and... Uh, what the doctors said about her life is completely different than what her life is actually like. She'll be joining us. Steven Pinker is going to be with us in about uh, 50 minutes. And Riaz Patel joins us now. Riaz is a friend and a guy that we've known on the program for about two years. And we really became close when he went up while all of his friends were saying, you know, these these Trump voters are all crazy. 
He went up and he went to Alaska on his own dime to spend some time with Trump voters. And he came back and wrote an incredible op-ed that said, no, that's not who they are. We're not listening to each other. And so we've kind of been on this journey together to uh, to listen. And you've actually gone out and you've put people together uh, that are Republicans and Democrats or left and right and and libertarians and tried to find uh where we're missing each other right i think i think there were so many points that going between dallas and la and dc that people were saying things and they were talking across purposes that they couldn't actually hear each other or the thing that they were saying was being heard an entirely different way Mm. and so bringing these people together and really importantly why i brought it to you is to do it without any agenda that wasn't going to skew a liberal or conservative or libertarian just to say when is the last time you saw a group of friends of friends sit down and have this honest conversation within the divide. And it's a tough conversation. It's a tough conversation. If you have an, and if you have a network or an editor pushing for something, it makes people even more afraid to do it. Mm-hmm. So this is brought with as little bias, little re-editing, little manipulation, little agenda as possible. Play the clip that you played for me mm-hmm. yesterday that is um, a liberal saying, you know, look at all these Trump people. We're angry. They're angry about gays. And They're anti-gay. Else. Yeah, They're anti-gay. Play this clip. Listen to this. Mm-hmm. But that speaks to the Republican thought processes, that they didn't want gays to have equal rights. No, no. Yes. Why were they so mad? I think the average civil human being will say to you, I don't care what you do in the privacy of your home. I genuinely don't. Why are the Republicans so opposed to it? Why are they so opposed to Obamacare? I think think in part it's this phenomena of as conservatives see it, of federalizing every problem, that there's a federal solution for every problem in society. And and, and we get get crazy because it takes away our freedom and our recourse. What can we do as an individual American when the federal government imposes, like Obamacare is such an imposition financially to so many people, there's no recourse. And so you have this friendship of many years where she believes her friend voted and believes that she's anti-gay. And this friend Marianne was like, I have gay cousins, I have gay friends. That's not true at all. I, it's about big government and, and an executive order creating this. They never had the conversation. She had to literally stop her and say, no, no, no. That's what I'm trying to get people to say is you're not hearing each other. And so here's the thing. If we don't hear each other, then we can't find any solutions. Absolutely. At all. And you found another guy. And do we have him on the phone? You found another guy. Yes. Up in uh, the Pacific Northwest. Seattle, Washington, total progressive, liberal, liberal. So a guy that we should not agree on anything. No, I'm sure he might think you're the dark overlord. (laughs) Well, wait a minute. Wait a minute, really? Uh, so anyway, I'm too pale to be uh, that's, too, too pale to it be. It comes the dark from inside, Glenn, the dark <laughs> overlord is. Okay. The, the exterior is very white. Right. The interior of the heart is black. All right. Um, uh, but I think no, he is the exact he is as progressive as possible, socialist leading. And I would say in this work he does for poverty, real poverty work he's done, he's done his whole life, he's dedicated to it. He's walking the walk. He has found recently that the greatest solution we had a conversation is a melding of both. The conservative principle of capitalism works and the liberal principle of giving people a bit of a hand. And so he has this microloan program that I wanted to talk about because 
I'm not just asking people to talk together to repair their friendships, although that's huge. I'm saying the solutions to the problems that we all want to solve, poverty, crime, guns, will be in us listening and in the gray thinking that comes out of Because there's, an, I don't even think it's gray thinking. I just think it's new thinking. New thinking. The, system, the systems of the past don't work. No, so the world has changed we, so yes, much. Yes. Uh, Jeff Klein, executive director of soundreach.org. Uh, Hello, Jeff. How are you? Hey, good morning. How hi, are you? Hi, Jeff. Am I am I hey, the Jeff. am I the dark overlord to you, Jeff? <laughs> I, I, <laughs> this is uh this is not a good way to start. It's an, <laughs> it's, it's an excellent way to start. Because okay. it's you know it's what? when I met him, I no. thought we would have nothing in common at all. And and now we have this beautiful friendship. So to 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 me, you know, the idea of of Glenn Beck had so much false uh, attached to it. But what I wanted you guys to talk about is this this program where you have this innovative solution that is really a blending of conservative and liberal philosophies. So, so Jeff, here's the thing yeah. where we come, where I think the the right comes from. You you have to give people a a hand up, not a handout. They they've got to work for it. They've got to you know. Um, uh, take it on themselves because if everything is given to you, look what happens to rich kids most times. Uh, and and so and capitalism has taken so many people out of poverty. Now with that, capitalism, uh, just pure capitalism without any moral sentiments, as Adam Smith would say, is awful. It's an invisible mm-hmm. hand that'll choke the life out of society. So how do we do good? What have you found that works with capitalism as well? Well, you know, I want to validate some of the things you're saying. Um, I have been working in food banks for a number of years and uh, doing anti-poverty work and just dealing with the, the scope and the size of the poverty problem in this country is it just became overwhelming. And, uh, you know, I've, I've done a lot of research on behavioral uh, psychology and what affects poverty behaviors. And I started looking at um, financial systems and how they can possibly work to help people out of poverty. But, uh, you know, I, I do think that there is a, a you know, this, the size of the problem is overwhelming for so many people. I mean, there are hundreds of millions of people struggling to make ends meet. 67% of the country can't come up with $500 on short notice in an emergency. So I just started thinking, is there a way to use microfinance to help break down some of these barriers? And what'd you, and what'd you find? Well, um, you know, I, I took over a small agency in Tacoma, Washington called sound outreach about three years ago. We were, you know, basically our, our role was to get people connected to food stamps. I'm like, this is a band aid to the problem. Yeah. And, so and that's big. what conservatives would say. That's what a lot of conservatives would yeah. say. Yeah, but, you know, nobody knows how to deal with this poverty problem in, in the right way. And I, and I do think that, you know, that there is something to that hand up and so the, the handout thing. But, you know, in this country, achieving the American dream is more difficult than it used to be. So I've been doing research on that, too. And just, you know, 4% of people in the bottom 20% of the socioeconomic system can make it to the top and there, mm. you know, there are other countries that are doing it better. So achieving the American dream is more difficult. So, so what I did was I sort of changed over my agency to focus on financial counseling. So we, you know, connect people to 
one-on-one coaching. It's great. Uh, checking credit scores, looking at budgets, setting That's financial great. goals. But great, the other great, thing great. I did was I partnered partnered with a credit union. And so if you're meeting with one of our financial counselors, you can access a small dollar loan, like a micro loan, to help you out of a difficult financial situation. So I'm really trying to tackle this barrier of how expensive it is to be poor if you have to go to payday lenders, mm-hmm. if you have to use check cashing. It, it's uh, and, really and thoughtful, to, specific work about but how it, to empower someone to be able to 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 move it themselves. This is the kind of stuff that Stu and I have been talking about for a long time. That there are there are ways to to specifically target the problem instead of coming out and helicoptering over the top and just saying, "I'm going to throw cash out of a window." Instead, looking at, for instance, my church is the, I think it's the second largest welfare organization in the world mm. um, behind the United States government. And it, but it doesn't advertise that. In fact, probably is a little, you know, thrown rocks at me for say, saying that. Mm. They don't advertise it. They don't, it's not something that they wear on their sleeve. However, there are things that you do. For instance, if I'm in trouble uh, and I've really, you know, I'm, I'm losing my house or whatever. If, if I'm a tithe payer, for, you know, a taxpayer, if mm. I'm a tithe payer, they will come in and they will help stabilize my situation. However, they require me to take financial counseling. Mm-hmm. They require me to do certain things that show I am interested in turning this around myself. And they'll help as long as you're helping yourself. Yeah. If you're not helping yourself... There's no place. I can't help you. How big a motivator is that to you, Jeff, in terms of harnessing the power of someone's motivation to better themselves, the capital dream, the American dream? How, is, how big, how game-changing has that been when you can harness it? Well, you know, all the research I've seen, and actually just firsthand experience working with this population, is when you don't have financial slack in your life, yeah. making decisions is difficult. And so people say, oh, they put themselves in that situation themselves, they're stupid, they're lazy, whatever. Really, if you're living paycheck to paycheck, if, you're, if you run out of money before the end of the month, you're stressed. And under stress, you make poor decisions. So if you can give people slack, more financial slack in their lives. So kind of the way this works is, you know, and Rias is totally right. Like I'm a total flaming liberal, like have been forever. And We've know, known each other since we were in sixth grade, by the way. It would be wonderful. It would be great. But we don't have the political will or the social will in this country to get there. Yeah. So what do you do instead? You give people more access to capitalism so that they can take advantage of the system the way other people do and get ahead. So yeah. if you can't, if you have a poor credit score and you're paying high interest rates on your vehicle, or you're paying high. Most people don't know that a lot of your insurance premiums are based on your credit score too. So if you focus on credit building and get your credit score up, you can get more financial slack in your month by reducing your monthly payments on your premiums or your vehicle payment. So now if you can't, if you can't get there, we've got a shortcut. We can refinance your auto loan through our credit union partner. If our financial counselor meets with the USC's Oh, you're, you're paying on time. You've paid on time 12 months on your vehicle at $550 at 29% interest. You can afford 14% interest for sure. You, if you're affording 500 a month, you could afford 300 a month. So we can save someone $200 a month and give them more slack in their life. 
which is a game changer. So, Jeff, uh, thank you for uh, coming on and, and sharing this. I want to look into your your program because what you've said here, I don't have a problem with. Do you have a problem with this? Any of this, Stu? This sounds all good. I mean, on the surface, this sounds all good. Yeah. Um, I, I, I brought it to you because I, I, Lord, that that's really <laughs> that's nice of you to say. And and just to answer that question, like I'm, I've been friends with Riaz a long time. Yeah. And if he vouches for you. Uh, like any talk of Dark Overlord, like, <laughs> not an issue. <laughs> not an issue. He doesn't allow me to make direct eye contact ever. Uh, <laughs> Jeff, uh, thank you so much for the work that you're doing, and thanks for coming on the uh, program and, and having a conversation. I appreciate it. Well, um, thank you for having me. God I bless. It. You bet. All right, I want to talk to you uh, about LifeLock, our sponsor this half hour. In another dirty twist on identity tax fraud, thieves are hacking online accounts as tax preparation firms are using them to file phony refunds. So once the IRS deposits the money into a hacked client's bank account, the crooks contact those people and say, uh, "This, uh, we're a collection agency and uh, we have to have, that was an error, and we have to uh, have a refund, we have to have that uh, payment, please. And people are falling for it. There are a ton of scams going on. There's a ton of threats out there against your identity, your your cyber security, and your tax refund, which is happening right now. Right now, the new LifeLock Identity Theft Protection adds the power of Norton Security and helps protect you against the threats to your identity and to your devices that you can't easily see or fix on your own. If you have a problem, they have agents who are going to work to fix it. Now, nobody can stop all cyber threats or prevent all identity theft or monitor all transactions at all businesses. But now LifeLock with Norton Security is able to uncover threats that you might otherwise miss. So go to LifeLock.com or call 1-800-LIFELOCK and use the promo code Beck for an additional 10% off your first year. That's promo code Beck, an additional 10% off now at lifelock.com. Promo code Beck. Glenn Beck Mercury. Glenn Beck. Here's what's interesting about that that last uh, interview, and it's exactly what we're looking for, and that is people on both sides. We, we can agree with Jeff in Seattle. For different reasons, socialism won't work in America. I just don't think it works anywhere. He just says we don't have the political will to do it. So we agree. However you say it, you guys are agreeing. Right. We agree that we agree that poverty is bad and we have to do something. He has found because he says, okay, we don't have the political will for socialism. Let's use capitalism and let's include responsibility for your own life. Mm -hmm. There is nothing wrong with any of that. And we should be able to we should be able to have that conversation. And yet it was a little frightening to have that conversation on the air. <laughs> really? Because, yes, because he is who he is. And you have a knee jerk reaction, just like he would have a knee jerk reaction with me. Yeah. A knee jerk reaction of, wait a minute, I should be careful. And you should be careful. We should look at all of the details. But everything we talked about on the air is a great solution. It, and the talking is the key. To talk, even though it seems scary, he's this, I'm this, he may believe this, you may believe this. In the conversations, which I'm trying to have, are where those solutions are going to come from. These creative, need, thoughtful solutions. He needs to read a book called The Spirit of America. It's an old book from the 1940s because he, he referenced the American dream twice. The American dream was changed by FDR. The American dream is I can come over 
And I don't have to go through guilds. I don't have to have anybody's permission. I can be whoever I want, and I can chart my own course. The American dream in, under FDR was changed to a house, car, yeah. a chicken in every pot. That's guaranteed outcome. This The American dream was guaranteed chance. Everybody yeah. has an equal chance. Everybody has an equal opportunity, not an equal outcome. And, and that they, was changed, and it's important that you decide which American dream you believe in. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Riaz, thank you so much. Thank you, guys. We'll talk to you later. Um, back in just a second with an, with an amazing person whose life definitely is worth living on this Down Syndrome Day. Glenn Beck Mercury. You're listening to the Glenn Beck Program. Member of the National Academy of Sciences, two-time Pulitzer Prize finalist, recipient of nine honorary doctorates, foreign policies, world's top 100 public intellectuals, also on Times 100 most influential people in the world today. But then again, so was I. So, I mean, that's kind of discredited. Uh, Steven Pinker, he's going to be joining us in about an hour and a fascinating conversation uh, should be on the offing in about 35 minutes. We have Karen Gaffney with us now. Today is Down Syndrome Awareness Day. And with everything that is going on with this push to eliminate people with Down Syndrome because they don't have any quality of life, I think lessens our quality of life by a great deal. Uh, Karen has uh, spoken at, uh, at TED Talks. Uh, she has, uh, you know, spoken, you know, at uh, the state capitals. And I wanted to get her on. Um, she has Down syndrome. She is also a champion swimmer. She has, she has, she, she is it swum? The English Channel. Swum. <laughs> uh, she, <laughs> she, um, uh, she has crossed the English Channel and, uh, and is, is an amazing individual. And she's with us now. Hi, Karen. How are you? I'm great. Thanks. Good. Um, could could you start with because in your TED talks you talked a little bit about um, your fifth grade teacher, and I think this goes to quality of life and if your life matters. Yes, my fifth grade teacher was very helpful to me when I showed up in her class. It was her first year of teaching, and she didn't know much about Down syndrome until I came into her class. And then, you know, she came to my high school graduations and grade school graduation. And then later, she moved to Germany and got married. And we still stay in touch all these years. We wrote letters back and forth to each other. And then, later, I got a special letter from her. And she told me that she was pregnant with a baby with Down syndrome. And she needed my help. And so, she said it in her letter that, there must have been a reason why our paths crossed, and explained to me what she did. She, um, uh, what did she, what did she name her child with Down syndrome? She named her baby Mia Rose. Right now, she's probably in the seventh grade. She spoke, she speaks both English and German, and goes to a neighborhood school. So wait, wait, wait. Her baby, uh, her baby has grown up. She's in what grade now? 
about in the seventh grade right now. And 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 she has, she has Down syndrome, and she speaks two. She's bilingual. Right, she's two, two, two languages, and she's also a swimmer. So, so Karen, you've obviously uh-huh. been paying attention to the news where. Um, the case is being made that we should abort all Down syndrome uh, children um, because there is no quality of life. What are your what? How do you feel when you hear things like that? You know that is the thing that makes me sad. You know I don't want to hear um, stuff about that. I want to see more positive things about wanting to help, um, help people that like us live a great life. I don't want to talk about being aborted or terminated. They would say that you don't have a great life. I do have a great life. You know, um, I do. I'm trying to get stronger every day. You know, I try to do the very best I can. What, what, did the do- what did the doctors say when you were born that your life would be like? That I wouldn't be able to tie my own shoes or write my own name. You know, I want to be able to do a lot of things, you know, but I can do it. And I remember, you know, I also have a lot of accomplishments in my life. You know, I graduated from high school with a regular high school diploma. And then after that, I went to Florida Community College, where I got my associate's of science degree and a teacher's aid certificate. I work at Oregon Health Sciences University right now. Well, I'm doing a lot of clerical work and data entry and recycling and all this and scanning and all that stuff now. And I'm also the president of my own nonprofit organization. Karen, um, you know the. Um, I guess I guess we can just you know, uh, people think that they can get rid of people if they're not really human. They don't really have rights. Or I guess you know their 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 case would be you know the quality of life really is 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 lower than what a human should have to endure. Do you have any thoughts at all on on what makes a person human? You know, I think what makes a person human is if they accept us for who we are. You know, all lives matter, regardless of the number of chromosomes we have. And I think. Um, we also have a, a place in this world as well. That's what makes us human. Karen, <clears throat> I appreciate the fact that you are uh, speaking out. I can't imagine what it feels like to have to see people um, talking about people like you and and saying, you know, that we. we that we'd all be better off without you. I can't imagine what that's like to endure. Um, but I applaud your bravery. Uh, and I, I applaud you standing up and, and speaking out. Is there, is, is there anything, is there anything that you want to express before we hang up? Anything we missed? I just want to say that Down syndrome is a life worth living. And a life worth saving as well. And we want to live a great uh, a great life. And I know that we do. 
Karen, thank you so much. God bless. You bet. Karen Gaffney. (laughs) This woman, she swam the English Channel. She escaped Alcatraz 16 times. 16 times. Didn't put her in Alcatraz, right? Like this wasn't Yeah, a, she has Down syndrome. Of course we do. <laughs> no. <laughs> that would be terrible. No, I guess, I guess you know, that's swimming, a, you know, the, the channel between San Francisco and Alcatraz, I mean, that was supposed to be impossible. She's done it 16 times. Wow. She has uh, conquered Lake Tahoe in 59 degree weather, and she swims to raise funds, you know, to raise awareness for people with Down syndrome. I constantly complain. Because my dressing room is only 59 degrees. And I complain about it every day to everyone that listened to me. Oh, uh, we all know it. <laughs> we all know it. Because <laughs> there's something wrong with the air conditioning. It's just on all the time. <laughs> so it's 59 degrees in there. I have to be in there for like one minute a day. And I'm constantly complaining about it. She swam in 59. <laughs> just, just Lake Tahoe. Just the, la- just, just just lake, the lake Tahoe. No big deal. Yeah. But you know what? I will say this about her. Certainly doesn't deserve to live. Certainly shouldn't well, be. She, she has not, one more chromosome than oh you. Oh my gosh! Get rid of her. Uh, that's, yeah. Let's all let's all strive to get rid of people like this. This is why this is such an important story today. I mean, you know, like we could give you example after example after example of, of amazing people like this with Down syndrome who are thriving, who are thriving in this world, uh, who aren't burdens. Who are thriving and achieving things Burdens, that even if they are a burden, they are yes. human. Right. It doesn't matter. You're right. It they are human. It doesn't freaking matter. Life is life. Yes. Uh, and, you know, the idea that we're going to come out here and all try to celebrate this wonderful achievement that as a society we can get rid of the weakest among us. Uh, in, and obviously in this case, not the weakest among us at all. Uh, it's just it's it's despicable. And today's the day. What is what, what's the do you know the actual name of the day? I don't. I, I like, mean, I keep calling it uh, Down Syndrome Awareness Day, but I don't know what it's called. <laughs> Something like that. That's that's yeah, what you're crazy so, you're sock supposed to be. Day. You're supposed to be wearing crazy socks. Did you wear crazy? socks I did. I, well, yeah. Let me see crazy. his crazy socks, please. Can you let me let me see what are they? Euros crazy socks. You have to go here. I mean, you. What do you have to? Crazy. I mean, how long does it take you to get to your socks, Stu? I'm trying to find the eagle. <laughs> eagle, eagle socks, socks. obviously uh, well those are crazy that are. somebody bought eagle socks they are um and i mean they... not this year but maybe last year or the year before <laughs> well, year before good, that yeah, 58 years yeah. or so before this year it wasn't exactly popular but that's the thing you know uh this year it is because <laughs> they won the super bowl but that's a whole other story not that crazy did you wear crazy socks i did i mean as crazy as i had in my yeah i mean these are crazy let me see those are crazy Oh yeah, they're kind of. Uh, or would you say Christmassy? No, no, no. They're more like uh, Native American, Santa Fe, okay, Native okay. American. There you go, kind of thing. Uh, very nice. And I will I'm, say, I'm uh, I'm culturally appropriating the Native American Santa Fe lifestyle mm-hmm. in socks today. That's very nice. Yes, thank uh, you. Thank you. I, we've said this before, mm-hmm. but we could every day, all day, talk about this story, and this goes from down syndrome but it goes really it's focused on life and i I think morally make the right choice every day if that's all we talked about every day was ending 
the elimination of 60 million people in our country alone over the past, uh, you know, half century, we could, we, we would be more, it would be a boring show. Yes, and no one would. would want to listen to it because it would get really boring. But morally, we'd be making the right choice. But here's, the, here's how we take the step in the right direction. We, we start recognizing that we, are, we need to renew the enlightenment. We need to renew the principles that the, that the founders uh, were living in that gave us the idea of this country, which is all men are created equal and endowed by their creator with certain rights, among them life, liberty, and property. And you can't take any of those things away. And you have a right to your, your voice and your, your own faith and to live it and to live your life the way you choose. That, that you have a, a right and a responsibility to question authority and to question those things that everybody says, yep, that's the way it is. Well, maybe, maybe it's not the way it is. Maybe it's just the way it's always been. But that doesn't mean that it's always like that. And we need to question those things. And when we can celebrate the diversity of thought, I don't care. Don't judge people on, the, on their gender, their race, their abilities. Judge them on the content of their character and, 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 and how they think. And how they move and how they make you think. You know, there's, there's got to be something that is, is, is moving. And w- when there's a moving body interacting with another one, everything starts to move. It just changes things up. Right now, we're trying to say, everybody stay in place. This is who you are. This is what you'll believe. That's not right. And, you know, the way to start... Uh, saving people's lives, the 60 million lives, is to recognize the value of every human being. And right now, all sides, we're looking and we're starting to devalue people we walk around with. I won't be friends with you because you have a different opinion. Yeah, I mean, that like, doesn't that doesn't lead to any place good. If you remember, right after the election, there's a lot of stories about dating apps where you could ban Trump voters from contacting you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's like, again, certainly politics are important. I think I'd have a tough time being married to an a, a, you know a socialist, right? Like I think yeah. there are lines yeah, there, there are, and I understand yeah. that. But it, you know, the fact that you would, but eliminate, I'm friends with socialists, right? And you're going to eliminate fifty percent of the country. Because, no. I mean, it's, that's... No, and they have nothing to offer? They have nothing to offer? I mean, you know, uh, Tyler, who works here at the studios, Tyler, when he was in his 20s, was a, was a Marxist. He was a Marxist. He believed he went on a mission and he, you know, was like, hey, these guys are working for Cheetah Banana for, Chiquita Banana for like $6 a month. <laughs> you know, and banana people are making some money. He, he came back a Marxist. And then he started living life and started listening and started learning. And he was like, you know, my heart is better served through the system of capitalism. Why would we say you believe one thing? I dismiss you when you should be growing and changing. You should be exploring every day. By the way, we do that with Steven Pinker, his book Enlightenment Now, coming up in just a few minutes. All right, I want to tell you about Blinds.com. 
they are the best at what they do. This is why they're the number one retailer um, uh, anywhere on shades, shutters, drapes, blinds, whatever you need for window coverings. And we hear from listeners all the time, people saying the same thing that I said. Okay, I'm going to give it a shot. I'm going to, I'm going to do one, you know, uh, blind or, you know, one room. And it's so easy. It is so great. And the installation is so easy that you end up going, okay, I'm going to do this for the rest of the house. Blinds.com. Find the perfect blind shade, shutters, drapes to upgrade your home for less than almost any other home improvement. You can find out why over 20 million Americans have trusted Blinds.com and making them the number one online retailer. Blinds.com. Now, they're having an anniversary sale through tomorrow. Buy one and get one 50% off at Blinds.com. Buy one and get 50% off the other one. That's Blinds.com slash Beck. Their anniversary sale ends tomorrow. Rules and restrictions do apply. Glenn Beck Mercury. Glenn Beck. So, see, Stephen Pinker, if you don't know who he is, you, you need to find out who he is. He, he is really amazing. He's he's um, a an atheist, and he's a little hostile, I think, sometimes to religion, at least in one <laughs> of his books. Um, but uh, you know, disregard that if if you're you're somebody who believes in God as I do. Um, but his stats on the quality of life and and how you know capitalism and the western way of life has changed the entire world is remarkable you want to feel good instead of going everything's getting worse no 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 listen to steven pinker coming up next glenn back mercury love courage truth glenn Back. I'm thrilled to have Steven Pinker uh, on the uh, on the program. He is currently a professor of psychology at Harvard. He has taught at Stanford, MIT. He's won numerous prizes for his research. Uh, he has done a couple of books. One of the best books, um, really. On if you feel if you feel like, oh man, things everybody's just dying faster and the guns everywhere. If you feel like things are bad now read his book the better angels of our nature and you will see how good things really are and i would say the same thing is kind of true in this book enlightenment now the case for reason science humanism and progress uh he has two-time uh pulitzer prize finalist uh, behind him uh humanist of the year nine uh doctorates or honorary doctorates world's top 100 public intellectuals and time magazine's 100 most influential people in the world today but as i said earlier i also won that so we're going to discredit that one and not give it to Stephen. <laughs> welcome to the program Stephen pinker how are you fine thank you glenn uh, so so Stephen, i am fascinated um by uh what you're writing about in the book but let me let me start here it is Stu. do you have some of the stats it is I'm a catastrophe. I'm an optimistic catastrophist. Um, and I see catastrophe everywhere. But I really believe that if we use our brain and we are and we we root ourselves in some basic principles, we're going to be OK. I read your book 
And you get stats like this. Go ahead. Uh, Over the course of the 20th century, Americans became 96% less likely to be killed in a car accident, 88% less likely to be mowed down on the sidewalk, 99% less likely to die in a plane crash, 59% less likely to fall to their deaths, 92% less likely to die by fire, 90% less likely to drown, 92% less likely to be asphyxiated, and 95% less likely to be killed on the job. I just had a guest on last hour said it's harder than ever to accomplish the American dream. And I said, I don't think that's true. I don't think that's true. Stephen, help us out on that. Start with the positives yeah. that are happening. Yes, the uh, most obvious positive is that people worldwide are living longer. You know, for most of human history, uh, a newborn baby could be expected to live on average around 30 years. Uh, today, it's 71 years across the world, and it's more than 80 years in the developed world. So that, that's a, a start. Um, it used to be that uh, only um, a small percentage of people could read or write. Now, 90% of the world's population under the age of 25 can read, or, read and write. Uh, the number of wars has been decreasing. In fact, when Colombia signed a peace agreement with the FARC guerrillas last year, they brought an end to the last war in the Western Hemisphere. So an entire hemisphere is free of war. In fact, five-sixths of the world is now free of war. Um, the crime rate is down in... Um, uh, worldwide, and certainly in the United States, it's half of what it was in the 70s and 80s and early 90s. Um, uh, global poverty uh, has been decimated, has been slashed. Now, less than 10% of the world's population meets the definition of extreme poverty. It used to be 90%, so the, the percentages have, uh, have absolutely flipped. Uh, we have uh, an additional eight hours of leisure time just since the 1960s. Uh, we, of course, can access the world's culture uh, with a device that we have in our, our shirt pocket. When I was a student, if you wanted to see a classic movie like Casablanca or The Seventh Seal, you had to wait years for it to be shown at a local repertory theater, if you were lucky enough to live in a city that had a repertory theater uh, mm-hmm. or on late-night television. Now, any movie you want to see, you can stream on demand. Uh, and that, that's true of, uh, of art, of music, of culture. Steve, so in, in, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, in area after area, uh, even though you, it's hard to recognize it when you read the news because the news is about everything that goes wrong. Uh, but uh, our lives really have improved. And in a majority of countries, people say they're happier than they were uh, decades ago. So the Cleveland Clinic came out last week and they said that no longer is hunger the problem in the world. It, for the very first time, it's obesity is beating malnutrition. And well, that's certainly true. Yes, it's certainly true in the, in the, the developed world. And, uh, of course, obesity is a problem. But as problems go, it's a better problem to have. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it really is. Yes, it, yes, it is. Yeah. But, but I didn't see that anywhere in the news. And all I heard about was how kids killing kids in schools because of guns, uh, how that's just getting out of control. Well, it's, you know, uh, there are, um, the fact that there's been improvement doesn't mean that there's perfection, that there's utopia. There are always going to be problems. And we have to deal with problems as they arise in the, in the most intelligent way possible, using data, using uh, trying out policies, see what works, learn from our neighbors who've tried out policies. Because no, no one is omniscient. No one knows what's going to work just sitting in the armchair, just from their sheer brain power. None of us is that smart. We've got to let the world tell us what works and what doesn't work and use the entire world as a laboratory. Look at other countries, see what they've done. Look at what's 
state, different states have done. Uh, this is, of course, an old American uh, idea that the states are laboratories mm. and uh, we should learn from the policies that work. We're kind so, of, that's kind of a scientific approach to right. uh, dealing with policy and politics, which I uh, certainly advocate above our, our current tribal attitude, where each side believes the other, other side is evil. So that's kind of where I want to go, because your, your book really is, it, it sets the, the, the case out early on about the Enlightenment and that what we're really losing here is the ability to think and to discuss and to even recognize facts. Um, I don't know if you saw in the news yesterday, but Cambridge Analytica, the, uh, the, the, the people that were trying to manipulate the election said that facts don't matter anymore. It's all about feeling. Yes, and I mean, you know, and many politicians have uh, uh, sensed that for a while that uh, the way to mobilize people behind you is to whip up their emotions. Um, I think it's a bit—it's an exaggeration to say that that uh, facts don't matter. Uh, you know, Pearl Harbor really did happen, and nine eleven happened, and uh, we recognized um, racial discrimination in the in the fifties and sixties. And uh, so, I think that it's a bit of an exaggeration. We're not living in a total fantasy world, but of course, there are demagogues who will manipulate uh, facts. There are there have always been. Uh, you know, liars and uh, and distorters of facts, and of course, for the health of our democracy, we've got to do everything possible to keep in touch with reality, to minimize the demagoguery where a politician will will uh, either defy facts or or uh, distort them. So, and that's what a free free press is for, among yeah. other things. So, are we getting that though? I mean, you know, the majority now, fifty percent of millennials are getting their news from Facebook alone, uh, and and I don't think. Nobody is being taught uh, critical thinking and, uh, and and they're being taught what to think, not how to think. And people don't I don't think even understand how to find uh, facts anymore. Yeah, I, I agree that uh, we need better critical thinking instruction uh, at, at every stage of education. But but uh, but starting young, because. Uh, uh, cognitive psychologists, and that, that's my specialty, I'm a cognitive psychologist, uh, have shown that, that we're, uh, it's very easy to slip into irrationality. The, the human mind wasn't designed for modern statistics and mathematics and logic. Uh, you know, we, 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 our mind is designed for small-scale villages and tribes. Uh, we have all these fantastic tools now where we can correct our, our errors and our biases, and uh, we, we do have to learn to use them because it doesn't come naturally. We're left to our own devices. A human being will just think in stereotypes and uh, will generalize from their own experience. Uh, we seek evidence that confirms our beliefs and, and don't pay attention to evidence that disconfirms them, our beliefs. So there are a lot of ways in which we naturally are uh, irrational. But these are obviously correctable. They, they must be because uh, we wouldn't know that they were fallacies unless we had some kind of standard of what's rational to compare them against. And of course, we've, we've you know, we sent a man to the moon and we've eliminated smallpox and we live longer and we, we design cars and planes. So we're all obviously capable of rationality. And the trick is to kind of instill a uh, rational thinking. And I agree as young as possible. Okay, so Stephen, I'm going to take a break. And when we come back, will you just take us through, um, you know, a kind of a 101 on critical thinking and how how do we break that how do we turn the tide on that how do we get away from our emotions uh and and start really just as thomas jefferson said fix reason firmly in her seat 
how do we do that on a on a mass scale or even in our own individual lives? Steven Pinker in a minute. The book is Enlightenment Now from Steven Pinker, The Case for Reason, Science, Humanism, and Progress. We'll uh, make sure we tweet out the link at uh, World of Stew and at Glenn Beck. Okay, so there's one light in my car that I hate more than any others, and that is uh, check engine. For what? I don't, I, I don't, I can't check my engine. I open up my engine and it's sealed and nobody can, <laughs> no, and nobody allows me to touch it. So I have absolutely no, what's, no idea what's going on. I would like a switch where I can turn the check engine light off. But before we had the check engine light, that's when we were up against the side of the road with, you know, smoke pouring out underneath the hood. If you have a car that is out of, you know, factory warranty, do yourself a huge favor. Get car shield because you don't have to worry about when that little check engine light comes on. If your car breaks down or that check engine light comes on um, after the warranty expires, you'll be out thousands of dollars uh, just to get it fixed. My son uh, has a, uh, I don't remember what year it is, but an old Jetta. And, you know, it's got a billion miles on it, and they're just they're driving until the doors fall off. Well, that check engine light came on, and he didn't have car shield. And it cost him five grand for a sensor that, you know, would give him ABS brakes. And he was like, do I really need ABS brakes? I'm like, you know, let's not let's not <laughs> cheat on the brakes. Anyway, car shield. It'll make the process of fixing your car for a covered repair super easy. Have your favorite mechanic or have the dealership do it. You don't wait for the check. They they pay them directly. They also provide you a 24-7 roadside assistance and a rental car while yours is being fixed. If your car has 5,000 to 150,000 miles on it, it, it doesn't mean you have to pay a lot of in repair bills. Car Shield. The administrators are paid out close to $2 billion. So save yourself now from high repair bills. Get covered in the ultimate extended vehicle protection like I have done on my two older trucks. Call now. 1-800-CAR-6100. 1-800-CAR-6100. Mention the promo code back or visit carshield.com and use the promo code back. You're going to save 10%. Carshield.com. Promo code back. Deductible may apply. Glenn Beck Mercury. Glenn Beck. Steven Pinker, the author of the book Enlightenment Now, one that will give you hope that we're actually going to make it, um, is uh, joining us now. Stephen, can you go over just a, a, a little bit, and if you want to mix in, however you want to do this, but I have two questions. One, can you give us a little 101 on critical thinking, and and two, you know, what the Enlightenment means and why losing that, we, do we lose really America and the West? Yeah, so an example of critical thinking would, would be to uh, examine the kind of fallacies that the human mind just naturally makes unless it's uh, it's well educated so just give you an example I mean, many people have the experience where they had a dream that something happened to a uh, bad happened to a loved one and uh, call them up find out oh they, they they broke their toe that day so they think oh i've got clairvoyance i can actually uh, sense things that i don't know about through you know vibrations or uh, some sort of kitschy uh, energy fields uh, but the thing is the, that's a failure of critical thinking because we don't take into account the thousands of times that we have dreams that uh, don't predict the future. Uh, we forget all of those. We remember the, the lucky hits 
And so we falsely conclude that there is something uh, spooky going on. Or another example is uh, the, the so-called gambler's fallacy. If uh, you're at the roulette table and you get red five times in a row and so you bet on black thinking, well, it, it's bound to come up black now. Uh, because it's, uh, you think the idea, well, it's 50% red, 50% black. It's so far, it's a lot of red, so it's due for a black. Now, that can't be true because the roulette wheel doesn't have any memory. It doesn't have any desire to appear f- fair. It's a misunderstanding of randomness. People think that the law of averages means that the numbers are trying to appear 50-50, whereas the reality, of course, is that if there's any chance deviation, then it'll be d- diluted when there are more and more uh, spins in the future. Uh, and we tend to underestimate randomness. We think we see patterns in everything, and we forget about how many um, uh, the vast number of possibilities for coincidences. We're just surrounded by numbers. We're surrounded by events. I mean, who's to say that you might not look out the car window, see a license plate in front of you, and maybe it's almost like your telephone number? Uh, that that just is going to happen by the law of averages. But people see deep meanings in them. So critical thinking uh, is to uh, the the point is to uh, teach people to avoid falling into these traps. Um, also, uh, a to recognize that. Uh, since we, it feels so good to have your beliefs confirmed, uh, that uh, you feel noble, you feel wise, you feel like your own team, your own tribe is uh, superior. So we concentrate on all of the stories and, 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 and studies and opinions that back up the opinion that we have in the first place. And we ignore all of the uh, criticisms, the studies that may not come out our way and get more and more uh, positive about our, our beliefs. This is another trap that we fall into. And we know it's a trap because we know that people in the past believed things that, uh, that weren't true. People believed that the world was flat. Um, people believed that racial segregation was uh, just the, the, the natural order of, of uh, things. Um, but how do, so, we, how, do we, how do we break this, this team thing that we're in now that, um, you know, we're willing to switch long-held principles because our team, it benefits our team or whatever. How do you hold on to uh, things that are true when they, when they don't work your way, when society is pushing the other direction? Yeah, it's a, it's a huge challenge, and I don't have an easy answer. But certainly being aware of the problem is a place to start, just to know that we're all human beings. We all have weaknesses, uh, and one of them is this kind of tribal team thinking. Uh, there is a truth out there, and none of us knows it for sure. We've got to, it's a constant struggle to, to, to uh, learn. We can be mistaken, and we, we should uh, recognize our fallibility and recognize our uh, uh, tendency to fall into supporting whatever is good for the team, which is not necessarily what, what the truth is. I mean, it's really the, the attitude and mindset of, of science. If you're doing science properly, you're letting the world tell you which of your beliefs are, are true or false. You don't kind of walk in with a uh, with certainty. Uh, of course, scientists are human and they do that, but uh, that's why we have debate and argument and peer review so that uh, no matter how confident you are in your beliefs, if the experiments show that you're wrong or if there's a flaw in your logic, uh, then there'll be other people who will uh, argue against you. Steve, but we need more of that mindset, I think, in the political arena. Uh, Steven Pinker is joining us. He's the author of the book Enlightenment Now, which is it's an absolute must read. Can you give me, let's take you through, because you, you talk about this in the book, that um, 
income inequality is not necessarily what we, you know, we're not thinking it uh, through. It's not necessarily the problem that most people seem to think that it is. Can you take us through that? Yeah, I, uh, I have a chapter on income inequality because it's uh, something that, that has increased within uh, rich countries. And people often say, well, how much progress can there really be if we have all this income inequality? And I, I suggest that the, that the problem is, is kind of misconceived, that it's not so much inequality that's the problem. But there are other problems, certainly if, if uh, the, the rich can buy elections or, or uh, just pour money in and, and have politicians uh, do what's in their interest. That that's a problem for democracy, but that's not the same as income inequality. That's mm-hmm. a problem with our uh, laws that that allow unregulated donations and without transparency. There's also, of course, you do have to uh, be concerned with uh, with kids, with the elderly, with the unlucky, with the sick at the bottom end of the scale. Uh, and I, I certainly believe in the, the kind of programs that we have, like Social Security and earned income tax credit, that, you know, it, it's almost a dirty word to call it redistribution. But there's there's a little bit of that. And all countries do it, all, all wealthy countries. Um, and it really has helped the poor with the poverty rate. It, taking into account government benefits has uh, declined in, in, the, in 1960, about a third of Americans fell below the poverty line when you measure it in terms of uh, after-tax income. Now it's more like uh, 6 or 7%. Um, and I think we should concentrate our efforts more on um, helping the people at the bottom than worrying about the gap between the top and the bottom. Um, is, aren't we better, though, in poverty, not because of social programs, but because this system actually works? Uh, yeah, I think there's there's uh, some of each. Certainly, the fact that we've got this fantastic uh, wealth generating uh, uh, machine called markets uh, has uh, done uh, wonders for poverty both at home and across the world. So when China switched from um, uh, state control and, and uh, dogmatic communism under mm-hmm. Mao to free markets, they got. Uh, it made a huge dent in world poverty just because hundreds of millions of Chinese were lifted right. out of uh, squalor and peasant existence to right. a kind of middle class existence. Stephen, hey, hold on just a sec. We've got to take a quick break. Stephen Pinker, author of Enlightenment Now. More in a minute. Glenn Beck, Mercury. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Foreign policies, uh, world's top 100 public intellectuals, not elitists, intellectuals, <laughs> somebody who is pushing for return of the Enlightenment and is very, very optimistic and hopeful. His book is called Enlightenment Now. And the book is filled with stuff that's really positive. And I mean this without hyperbole. It, it is the greatest human achievement in history. The things that have happened over the past hundred years. Yes. I mean, things have improved that much. And Stephen, I wanted to ask you, you talk about this in the book of we, 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 when faced with really positive things like the reduction in poverty, we as human beings tend to still search out the negative. We, we tend to always, you know, oh, wow, you know, poverty is down by so much, but look at, uh, you know, Look at this recent incident uh, of violence. Look at, uh, you know, this problem with our food supply. Look at this chemical we found somewhere in the water. We're always looking for something to bring us back to the negative. Why is that? 
Yeah, in in some measure, that's good that we don't get uh, complacent. And it's because our ancestors, of course, were concerned about the problems in their era that they came up with solutions. And it's only good that we be aware of the problems that remain and some problems that might be bigger than ever so that we we, uh, tackle them. But it is true that uh, we tend not to appreciate the progress that we've made, partly because we're, we're, we're wired for negativity. Uh, we, we are much more worried about uh, losses and what can go wrong than what has gone right. And again, there's something uh, somewhat adaptive about that because there are just the, the things that can go wrong can do you much more harm than the things that can go right can, can help you. Just think about how many things could happen to you today that would make you much worse off, how many things could happen that would make you much better off well, the, the first one is a, a longer list, and indeed, we're, we're right to uh, be concerned about them. But, it, it can, but I think we, we've taken that too far, because if we don't appreciate the progress that we've made, we can throw our hands up and say it, it's hopeless, it's intractable, it's, uh, we're, we're doomed, so let's enjoy ourselves while we can and not even try to solve these problems because they're uh, unsolvable. That, that is a danger. I think we can also uh, welcome in radicals who say, well, the system is failing so badly, let's just bulldoze everything because anything that comes up out of the rubble has got to be better than what we have now. And that's dangerous, too, because we know from from uh, Nazi Germany, from Maoist China, from Venezuela, that if you have radical change in the hope that uh, nothing could be worse, uh, things can get a lot worse. <laughs> and it, it kind of goes back to the theme of the book of the Enlightenment. You, you said something um, earlier in the interview where you, you said, you know, we, we, have to, we have to look at where things have worked. That's what our founders did when they put this together. They didn't they, they didn't like Iceland say, hey, tweet us your constitutional clauses. Uh, they they <laughs> they did a lot of research on history and they scoured history to say this worked. This didn't when it didn't work. Why didn't it? Um, and 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 it was the the spirit of open questioning, open examination without a team jersey. Do we do you- that's exactly. Go ahead. That's exactly right. When people say, uh, kind of wonder, well, are you saying that we should go and read a bunch of uh, difficult European philosophers? Does it mean we have to all read up Immanuel Kant? And say, well, no, the greatest enlightenment, the most prominent enlightenment thinkers were our own founders and framers, Jefferson and Madison and uh, Hamilton and Adams. They were all enlightenment thinkers. And exactly as you said, they tried to reason their way to the best possible system of government, in large part by looking at at, uh, history and what had gone wrong and trying to learn from the mistakes of people in the past. And it's it's really just a I mean, my life changed when I read um, two things. Immanuel Kant, where he said, uh, there are many things that I believe that I shall never say, but I shall never say the things that I do not believe. I didn't understand. When I read that, I thought, I don't even understand a world where you're afraid to say, you know, what you believe. I do now. I understand that now. Uh, and the other thing was from Thomas Jefferson. Fix reason firmly in her seat and question with boldness even the very existence of God. For if there be a God, he must surely rather honest questioning over blindfolded fear. That's just a challenge. Both of those, as as Kant said, dare to reason. Dare to understand. Dare to reason. Exactly right. That is the that would have to be the the, the motto of the Enlightenment if there was one. And we we are the beneficiaries of the Enlightenment whenever we enjoy uh, the freedom of American democracy. But we are we are now kind of as I see it, locked horns in a three way fight of 
postmodernism, that nothing is real, um, tribalism, and a few that are saying, no, 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 let, let's, 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 let's challenge. There's a lot of good stuff ahead, but we've got some really heavy lifting to do mentally. Let's sit down and have that conversation and come together. Which one is... Well, that, that, go ahead. Yeah, that's right. That, that, that is my, uh, largely my argument in, in Enlightenment now, that, uh, the, that tribalism uh, is a real threat to the ideals of American democracy, the idea that, uh, that uh, uh, Americans, or for that matter, any other nation, uh, should be ethnically homogeneous and should just compete for greatness against every other nation also competing for greatness. We, we kind of tried that. We got World War I, we got World War II, and the idea that, we, that nations can, uh, number one, they can coexist because uh, there are many things that benefit everyone, uh, that it's not a question if, if one wins, the other one loses. And trade, of course, is the, the, uh, the, the yeah. prime example. But also that America is based on, on an idea, on a social contract, that uh, there's no such thing as an ethnic uh, American. Uh, you can be Protestant or Catholic or Jewish or black or white or German or Italian um, or, or uh, Hispanic. Uh, we came together under an idea that governments can, uh, if they're designed with the interests of the people in mind, can enhance people's life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. That's why we have a government. Uh, and um, the, the government is not just a uh, kind of an embodiment of a tribe. It's a, it's a gadget. It's a gadget designed to make us happier, and we've got to design it so that it will do exactly that. So why is it really designed to, I mean, I read the Declaration of Independence, and, you know, it is our, it is our uh, not only our right, but our duty to uh, reform a government if it becomes hostile to the rights it's supposed to protect. But what is interesting in the Declaration of Independence, it says, you just don't, sh- you know, just don't shake it off and go, well, that didn't work. Let's come up with something else. You have to shake it off and replace it with something that is better at def- uh, defending those rights. That's right. And, and, and they said government shouldn't be rejected for, for light and transitory purposes. Right. So don't think every time you have a complaint about government not working, don't think that it's time to overthrow the government uh, because you could end up with something much, much worse. And of course, we know that that uh, there, there are a lot of ways in which uh, good democracy learns from its mistakes and reforms itself. I, uh, I, and we should continue that process. I've only got a, a few more minutes left with you. And I've got two questions that um, um, maybe you can try to condense uh, uh, quickly. Um, I, I'm I am very optimistic because I believe that freedom, unlike anybody has ever imagined, is right over the in the next 10 years because of technology. But because, uh, you know, I, I, I read enough uh, on AI, ASI, AGI, I, I'm 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 also very concerned, you know, that we're we, I'm, I'm concerned about the goals that we are going to be putting in to, you know, AGI. Where where do you stand on this? Are you are you optimistic that we make this transition or not? Yes, about uh, artificial general intelligence. Yes, I think any new technology has uh, potential for for harms and dangers, and that was true of the technologies of the past when when cars were introduced on the, on the roads. Uh, a lot of people got killed before but there, there were but, traffic but laws, on, safety measures. But on this one, the argument is you really have one shot to get it right. Uh, yeah, and I'm 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 skeptical of that. Okay. The, uh, just knowing people doing artificial intelligence research. Now, I'll tell you, you know, it's really really hard 
the idea that we are going to come up with a magic formula and, and the magic algorithm and have a system that's not only going to be brilliant but improve its own intelligence uh, uh-huh. in, 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 in zooming upwards, uh, I think there's a reason to be skeptical that there's a lot of fails. It's a trial and error process. And, of course, we have to build in safety safeguards uh, as we develop them. But uh, I don't think it's going to shoot up beyond what we can control. And I do have a discussion of that in, in Enlightenment now. Um, let me uh, uh, let me just let me close with this. There is something new going on, uh, I think, uh, and it is a willingness to break the barriers. And I, I, I first started feeling it about, I don't know, six years ago in, in Silicon Valley, where it was beyond the tribes. It was beyond left and right uh, with some, not all. Uh, and they were interesting conversations. And now there are thinkers like Jordan Peterson, Ben Shapiro, of course, you know, yourself, the, the Weinsteins. Do you sense that there's a new enlightenment that is beginning? Um, I, you know, I, I sure hope so. And uh, it can't all be people who agree with each other, but sure. there, should, there has to be an, a forum for debate so that the bad ideas can be uh, uh, winnowed out and the good ideas can survive on, on their merits. But I do think that, yeah, that there are closed uh, forums in, uh, in in radio, in academia, in government, and if we open them up and have people hear opinions that they're not so used to to get out of their comfort zone, then uh, then then, then uh, that's essential to further progress. Stephen Pinker, thank you so much. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. You bet. Bye bye. The book is Enlightenment Now uh, from Steven Pinker, The Case for Reason, Science, Humanism, and Progress, and does outline, I believe, the biggest story in the world. It's the biggest story in the world. Uh, the in world history. In world history. It really yeah. is, and we never focus on it. This has all happened largely in our lifetimes. Uh, in our country. In our country, and it's it's, ama- it's amazing. My favorite uh, Steven Pinker story, which of, of which I have one before this <laughs> right. interview, okay. uh, was uh, I was reading The Better Angels of Our Nature, which goes into... Uh, one big focus of it is talking about how, you know, a lot of people think violence is constantly getting worse. And he, in gruesome detail, yes. goes through how bad things yes. used to be in You're the like, You'll read it. I read parts of it to my wife, and I'd be like, read it, and I'd be like, good heavens, listen to this. And you'd just be like, oh my God, I am really glad. Yeah. Even if I were born in a prison in Mexico today, I'm glad I was born today. Right. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And you really get the sense, you know, it's 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 better. And one of the points he makes, and he goes through in, in great detail of how we have this idea that wars are always, we're always afraid of these flamed up wars all over the world. And there's always this constant conflict. And it's, of course, real at some level. But it's actually getting better. Less people are dying in wars now than they have in a very long time. And I kind of just blurted that out on the air one day in an, in a conversation. And you know when we get fact-checked by these organizations, it's always some conservative thing, and it's always they always beat us up and, and mm-hmm. go crazy on those things. For whatever reason, PolitiFact fact-checked my statement that people are dying less frequently in wars. And again, that was something I got Big from time. Steven Pinker. And of course, when you get fact-checked, you're like, crap, Like, did I get something wrong? Yeah. What did I do? Well, they actually fact-checked it with Steven Pinker. They called him <laughs> up. And they said, hey, is this true, what this idiot on the radio said? And, of course, 
it was true because it came from Steven Pinker's book. <laughs> uh, so they actually fact-checked my claim with my source. That's funny. Uh, and they and they still only gave me mostly true, which I... Unbelievable. To this day. Unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. He's he's amazing writer. <laughs> so you know he's a humanist. So he is, especially in that last book, he does not like religion at all. No, he's not a fan. Uh, not, not a fan. fan. And there's times when he was like, and another thing. Marshmallow peeps. <laughs> like, okay, Stephen. You know what he said? You know, we don't all have to agree. We, you know, we, we can't all agree with each other. And I really wanted to say, oh, Stephen, you and I don't agree on a lot of stuff. Yeah, but when you can go through an hour interview like that, yeah. right? And this, and this has happened with Penn Jillette as well yeah. with you. You know, you totally disagree with Penn Jillette I, on religion. But if you can talk for an hour like that and sense something sensible and get real, get something out of it, yeah. there's no reason you can't talk about those difficult topics with those same people. Well, it's, it's, also, it's also, as Penn and I talk about, we could work hard on solving problems and it would be, as he says, 30 years before we'd ever get to a place to like, oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of stuff that we can solve that we agree on. All right. Let me tell you about ZipRecruiter. Every business needs great people. How are you going to find them? Quick, Stu, how are you going to find them? Uh, I would say bulletin boards at your local uh, YMCA. You yeah. put up ads there that's, and no, people that's will... Good. Can you, can you imagine? Do you remember when we used to have to call the library uh, for... Were you even with me? Yeah, you were with me. We would have to call the research desk at the library to get facts. Yeah, you, or, or I mean, you wind up with newspapers and you have to go... Yeah, it was, oh, it's awful, yeah. awful. Think about what it used to be like to have to, you know, job post. Now, a hundred different job sites. Well, ZipRecruiter takes all hundred and sends your posting to all of them. But then... It goes further. It's smart technology. It learns what you're looking for. And then when it goes out, it, it, it not only posts them, it goes out and it finds the people who are looking for jobs. And it because it knows what you're looking for, it's like that one is a perfect that that's a perfect resume. That's the perfect person. So when they invite them to uh, to apply for your job, if they do, they're highlighted as this one's perfect. So you never miss a great match. Zip Recruiter. Find them now. Find out why ZipRecruiter has been used by businesses of all sizes and try it for free. ZipRecruiter.com slash Beck. Find the right person fast. ZipRecruiter.com slash Beck. ZipRecruiter.com slash Beck. Glenn Beck Mercury. Glenn Beck. There is... An amazing op-ed that I I read. I was like, I've got to talk to this woman. Um, and it turns out she was in the Netherlands, and I thought, oh well, you know, she's we're, we're you know she's not going to come out with it. It's expensive, long distance. Uh, you know, I don't know why, but we we reached out to her because everybody looked at me. Well, you know, we we can call her. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, and uh, so she's on with us next. Uh, she is. Uh, today is i don't even it know. is uh I, I got the National world sound world, world down syndrome day okay so uh bring attention to down syndrome and you know we've been talking about down syndrome for the last few weeks because of another op-ed that i read in the washington post that said you know what uh, they're a hassle and it's expensive and you know parents are sad and they don't have a quality of life so let's eliminate down syndrome <laughs> And the kids that are uh, are already formed in the belly of their mother. 
our next guest says no, and she's got a fascinating Glenn, story. Back, Mercury. Love, courage, truth. Glenn Beck. My grandparents were Democrats. They were Democrats their whole life. They were, you know, FDR Democrats. They were what was called blue dog Democrats at the time. Those have become very rare. They're not breeding a lot of those. And the problem is anti-abortion rights. That's the heart of the issue. In 1978, there were 125 anti-abortion Democrats in the House of Representatives. By 96, that number is down to 70. Then, by 2007, it was 32. As of yesterday, it was three, nearly two, if not for Illinois Representative Dan Lipinski's narrow victory. Now, he he co-chairs the Blue Dog Coalition. I didn't, I didn't, even, know, I didn't even know they existed. Many people assumed that Lipinski, the last of a dying breed of conservative Democrats, couldn't make it this far. In part because he stands by his beliefs. He voted against Obamacare, the only Illinois Democrat to do so. He supported over 50 bills that target Planned Parenthood. He's one of only six Democratic representatives to vote in 2013 on abortion after 20 weeks. And as such, he's been the target of various progressive groups, Planned Parenthood, NARAL, Pro-Choice America, Emily's List, the Human Rights Campaign, MoveOn.org, SCIU, and the like. This is an era of hysteria and polarization, and politicians like Representative Lipinski are needed. And quite honestly, we need them in both parties. We need to not become monolithic and just say, this is the only way, otherwise get out. That's what's happening. They're getting rid of anybody who believes in some traditional values on the left the democrat who won the primary was all but promised a seat in the house their republican counterpart is a white supremacist neo-nazi holocaust denier who's been disavowed by his own party i don't think strongly enough but disavowed so all it takes is for the democrats to do the same it would appear to elicit the disfavor of their own party and the way to do that is to have some conservative values. It's Wednesday, March 21st. You're listening to the Glenn Beck Program. Today is World Down Syndrome Day, where we have, you know, where, where the world should just take a, take a moment, especially this year and the years to come, and say, you know, I think the world's a better place. Because of people who have Down syndrome, I have a daughter of special needs, and I, 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 you know, it's not something that you're like, oh, man, I hope I have. But when you are in that situation, you find the beauty and the miracle in it. And I think this says something about us that we are now eliminating through abortion uh, or our goal is to eliminate all people with Down syndrome. I think the world becomes a darker and colder place. I read a great op-ed in the Washington Post and also on The Blaze. There was another one written for The Blaze that is really good uh, by Runita uh, Lindemann. Uh, and she is, uh, she is with us now. I know I butchered your name. It, how, how do you say your name? I'm sorry. 
Well, it, it, it sounded good. It's uh, Renate Lindemann. Thanks for having me, uh, first of all, Glenn. You're, it's uh, an honor and a pleasure. Uh, you're welcome. I'm, I'm thrilled to have you on. I read your op-ed in the Washington Post, and it was, it was so spot on. Uh, can you take us through what, you, you know, what your life has been and, 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 and what you wrote in, in that op-ed? Uh, uh, I'll try, okay. in a nutshell. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I was uh, about 35 when, uh, when I became pregnant, um, and at that age uh, I was offered uh, testing, and I declined. Uh, testing for Down syndrome, that is. Uh, after birth, uh, we heard that our daughter was born with Down syndrome, and, uh, well, first of all, uh, that, that is a major shock to us, to me. And I had all these, these old-fashioned uh, stereotypes uh, came to mind. And, uh, well, in a nutshell, very quickly we discovered uh, life with Down syndrome is not what we thought it was. And, and um, you, you, learn to, uh, you learn that Down syndrome is actually very nice. It's, it's uh, a child with Down syndrome enriches your life, and uh, it makes you think that there's more to life than just uh, success and money and career to chase. And, uh, well, shortly after my daughter was born, uh, I started uh, being an advocate for Down syndrome and and, uh, trying to raise awareness, uh, getting rid of all the stigmas. And I also heard, uh, I I became aware of the high abortion rate. And this was uh, 14 years ago now. And... uh, well, screening uh, has become a commonplace. Every pregnant woman is offered uh, screening for Down syndrome nowadays. And uh, so I became uh, a disability activist, um, and we tried to raise awareness about the, the discriminatory and eugenic nature yes. uh, of, of the screening, of the screening practice. And so- we collect all sorts of information to... to Show the world, show uh, the United Nations with our project, uh, uh, Stop Discriminating Down, but also within the Down syndrome community, how uh, the screening, the routine offer of screening affects our families and uh, reinforces discrimination, reinforces that stigma, reinforces that idea that Down syndrome is, is something bad. Can you, can you help me out with something? Because... Um, sure. When when I when I found out that you were a Dutch citizen, you lived in the Netherlands. Uh, yes. I, I was really impressed by your courage because there is there's some really spooky things going on that are, that just scream eugenics, uh, where um, you know the Netherlands are are you know starting to price people and what they're worth and everything else. Yes. Uh, and yeah. you know here's here is a part of the world that has a very proud heritage of saving Jews uh, in World War II and doing everything they could to stand against the, the Nazis and, and all of these horrors. And yet, at the, at the same time, it, it was the German people that found out about the T4 program, about the, 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 quote, undesirables or those not worthy to live. The people who actually voted for Hitler stood up when they found out this was going on and said, you can't do that. Don't do that. Aren't we, aren't we going to a place to where we're starting to be worse than the German population? Yes, it's, uh, I agree with you, Glenn. It's, it's all very ironic. Uh, that's not even the word to describe it. But, but 
um, it's much trickier this time. Uh, the Netherlands was, in fact, the first country to introduce the new genetic screening test called NIPT, non-invasive prenatal testing. It was the first country in the world that uh, implemented this test into its public health care. As of last year, it offers all pregnant women uh, NIPT screening focused on Down syndrome. Um, the way it is done is very tricky. It's done step by step. Uh, prenatal screening has been around for decades and first was offered to a very small group. And then it, it, over the years, it intensified more screening, more tests. Uh, the group of women became larger until it became what it is today, all pregnant women. And it's all done with, with all these euphemisms like choice and freedom and women's rights. And so it, it is for some people, it's very hard to, to see what is actually happening. Uh, so feminists um, are, are calling it our right, whereas they should see it. The, the ultimate goal of the screening is to save money. Uh, down Pride and Saving Downs have collected evidence, and it's, it's really out in the open. Um, so if the goal is to save money for health care uh, purposes, then why are feminists lining up to, to abuse, have their pregnancy and their bodies used for that purpose. What is your so, answer? What is your answer to that? I don't know. I think it's 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 been years of uh, the mainstream media pushing that message, uh, using those euphemisms, freedom and rights, that people actually uh, don't stop and think. They just take over these words. And, so, and of course, a freedom. So if you're... Uh, if you criticize the screening practice that is currently happening, you must be anti-freedom. It's, it's like you uh, just said, it's, it's very polarized into pro-choice and pro-life or anti-life or, uh, sorry, uh, um, pro-life and pro-choice. So um, help me out on this. Let me play devil's advocate. And in this case, actually, devil's advocate. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, look, you know, why, you know, we have the technology to find out uh, that there's a problem with the child. If, if there was a problem where, you know, uh, you know, their liver was damaged and their kidneys were damaged and their heart was damaged. You know, it would just you wouldn't say, let's have that child born into the world because it's just it's not going to live and it's not going to have, you know, it's just going to be horrible for everybody, including the child. Uh, I mean, why wouldn't we use this? I mean, nobody wishes Down syndrome on somebody. Well, that that sounds all very reasonable, but it's not that. what is really happening first of all you could screen first of all you could screen uh, probably for almost everything nowadays uh, but it's all cost benefits uh, analysis so they figured down syndrome is, is pretty common uh, it's one of the most common genetic uh, um, uh, arrangements chromosomal arrangements that that, uh, that children are born with um, so they made that the focus of, of prenatal screening, it, uh, whereas there are other conditions that are much more rare 
that have a much bigger impact on the life of the child and the health of the child that are not screened for. So from from that point of view, it, it doesn't make sense. It, it, well, it makes sense, but only money sense. Um, would you be... Would the screening you, is only used to enable abortion. It's not yeah. used to help the child or the family. So, so it doesn't really fit public health from that point of view anyway. So would you be for, in the future, being able to gene splice? So if, you know, the parents have a test and before the baby is formed, uh, that they can gene splice and eliminate the defects? Or are you... Because uh, I... I <laughs> I'm afraid of all of it because we're starting to make we're we're starting to make the yeah. you know the the uber human uh yeah. the superman that the Nazis wanted uh you know where do you stand on that no i am I'm completely on your side um, most children are born with with uh, life uh, uh, most children with down syndrome uh, go back to the, to my topic um, have a healthy and happy life. Um, there are some children that are born with, with conditions that are not compatible with life, and they, they will die shortly after birth. Um, I don't think abortion is, first of all, I don't think abortion is, is a cure, but, but the gene splicing and the manipulating and, and uh, babies born out of three or more parents, I don't think that is the, the way either because it's it's that slippery slope argument where are we going to stop and babies are not products that first of all um do you do you worry at all uh, i i think that um i mean i think the world is made a, a much better place by our own personal quote defects uh and i think when it comes to uh uh down syndrome you know, it's like everything. It does have its problems, et cetera, et cetera. And it's not all rosy and sunshine and lollipops uh, for the parent or, you know, f- you know, for the, the kids and the later adults. Um, however, I really think I can't think of something that is, is deemed as a defect in in the world that is as so clearly positive to the world as people with Down syndrome. Yeah, exactly. That's that's what we live every day. Uh, my children, who are now 12 and 14, uh, I have two daughters with Down syndrome. Um, the way they are in life, their unconditional love, their their ability to to experience and live in the moment, not to worry about things that I worry about. Um, they have such an ability to enjoy life and to enjoy the moment and to not let petty little things or or worries what happens 6,000 miles away from from where I live. They don't let things like that uh, get them down. They live now and they worry about um, the dance that they have on Friday night, uh, things like that. So it, it really grounds our family. It really grounds me. And it puts everything in perspective. And we need people like that. Well, we need people like you as well. And we are watching you from the other side of the planet. Uh, Thank you so much for everything that you're doing. And thank you for your voice.
think he meant that as a compliment. It came off a little creepy. We're watching her from the other side of the planet. Like, what? Oh, no, no, I've weird. got cameras in her house. Oh, okay. Britta <laughs> <laughs> Lindemann. Uh, she's a spokesperson of uh, Down Pride and Saving Downs. Uh, by the way, you can get her Blaze uh, op-ed on this topic. Uh, at theblaze.com, we just tweeted it from uh, at World of Stew. We'll also the, get the, it from Matt Glenbeck. Yeah, the the headline is what feminists? What what, what is it? Uh, yeah, you can uh, open it back up. Of course, obviously, you had to ask that question. I did. I Aborting babies because they have Down syndrome is something no feminist should support. <laughs> that seems really obvious to me. Does and maybe not does. to the rest of the world. Volatility in the stock market, wild swings in Bitcoin, constant turmoil in Washington. What do you have to hedge the bet? You know, that's it. It's funny. People don't think of hedge funds uh, and what hedge funds really are. It's just a. An algorithm that says, look, if this is going down, that means that this is probably going to go up. And so it hedges all of the bets and, you know, the algorithm can work faster than human beings. And so, uh, you know, generally speaking, if you're going to make an investment here, the algorithm looks for the other side. So in case it reverses itself, you don't lose anything. Well, that's kind of what gold is. Um, it, it is the original hedge fund. It is the original hedge against inflation, against uh, insanity, against collapse, uh, you know, all of it. It has been around for centuries. When things become unstable, that's when gold really kicks in. Have you noticed the price of gold lately? Now is the time to call Goldline as things are relatively stable. One eight six six Goldline. One eight six six Goldline. As you know, the um, inflation rates go up. As the Fed starts to uh, raise the interest rates, you're going to see gold. Historically speaking, this is the case. Do better and better. Call eight six six Goldline. One eight six six Goldline or Goldline dot com. Do it now. Glenn Beck. Mercury. Glenn Beck. There is one important story that is worth, you know, about a minute here. Uh, and that is the, uh, the, the court system yesterday saying that the woman who accused Donald Trump of, you know, harassing her in her hotel room uh, while she was a contestant or just after she was a contestant uh, on uh, The Apprentice can move forward and they they cited the clinton uh case and so it's going to go forward and you know this could spell trouble if he did it and there's a blue dress and that's there's a lot on that one now um you know if they have the hardcore evidence and he lies under oath like clinton did then there's trouble yeah i think two things here one if you put Donald Trump in a situation where he has to testify on these things. It's trouble. Uh, you know, it, it, they can just, ca- they can capture you with, yep. a, with a, a wrongly worded phrase. Yep, you yep, know, yep. they just, they can get you on a process crime. And that is always a danger. And it's why you don't want, you know, people testifying under oath if they, if they don't have to. Mm-hmm. Because that's obviously the goal here. Mm-hmm. The goal would be to wreck him. Not even if it has to do with the affair or just get him, just on, get something. him on something. Yeah. And the other thing is the, the death of the non-disclosure agreement is so consequential it is if you thousands and thousands of people have had problems with their employers or other individuals they've signed agreements to say look you can have $130,000 you can have $150,000 but that because that does I'm not saying I'm guilty I'm just saying 
you know, I'll give you go this away. money and just go away and don't talk about it because it's a hassle for me to hear about it. And that has, in some cases where women were really victims um, and other cases where it's just been a hassle for the employers, has helped alleviate large problems for not only our legal system, but also people trying to deal with these things against large companies who could come after them with all the force that they and have. And now, if you're a large company, why would you settle? Why if you, you can come out and say, yeah, they paid me off, but I'm basically going to admit it except for the exact legal definition of admitting it. That's trouble for our society. Glenn Beck, Mercury. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Welcome to the program. Welcome to the studios, uh, Mr. Pat Gray. Thank you. Good to be here. Thank you, Pat. You know, it's, uh, I, I uh, was writing a, a movie on demand the other night and uh, just didn't even think about what it was rated. I just assumed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And after the first, I don't know, 90 seconds, they said approximately 86 F-words. <laughs> and I realized, hey, oh. maybe this is R-rated and, and I what can't movie watch was it. it? Uh, thank you for your service. But I was it's, in, it's a war movie. It's a war movie. Most of those are not. Yeah. I, you yes. Know. And I, I wasn't even, I, you know, mm-hmm. wasn't even thinking. But anyway, I did some research on the movie because I was really interested in it. And uh, it's about, it's, it's a true story. About how broken our vets are coming back from big time Iraq and Afghanistan, and how backed up the VA is, and how the bureaucracy just turns them away. You know, there's waiting lists of thousands and thousands of people to get into the centers where they can get some help because they're broken, um, and so they don't get the help they need. They're not uh, getting the treatment at all, and so. A lot of them, in complete despair, commit suicide. As we know, it's 22 per day. And when that happens, they lose their life insurance, lose their benefits, their families are destitute. There's no way to even pay for a funeral, which is uh, why I'm so in love with this uh, dog tag furniture business from uh, Troy, who is also a veteran, and one of his buddies died from suicide uh, when he came back from Iraq. Uh, it was one of his battle buddies, and... He had no money. The, the family had no money to bury him. They get $300 from the government if they've committed suicide. Mm. Here, here you go. And, you know, the average cost of a funeral is what, $7,000? Which is... That's not even... That's a pretty wrong. cheap funeral. Yeah. Um, and wrong in and of itself. And wrong. My, when we buried my mom last year, it was 15000 So it's not cheap. They give you 300 bucks and say, hey, thanks. Uh, you know, thanks for your service. And so Troy started this business called Dog Tag Furniture, where he sells these really beautiful American flags that you get for your home. They're wood. They're wood. Yeah. Yeah. And they're really, they're really, beautiful. really nice. They're really beautiful. Really nice. And so he was, because he didn't know what to do for these guys, and he was trying to help his friend's family, and he just turned some scrap lumber into this great looking, uh, f- he calls it furniture, but it's these wooden American flags, and it's really beautiful. And so... How much it, are they? They're... Like 120, 125, something like that. <clears throat> but absolutely beautiful and absolutely uh, worth it. And all the proceeds go to helping the funeral costs of veterans who come back and commit suicide. Yeah, it's it's very cool because uh, there are tons of veterans charities. I mean, we've seventy two thousand. Yeah, none of them help with this. Isn't that Not weird? one. Not it's, one. It's just this weird hole in that yeah. system. 
Um, and, you know, we, there's a lot of great charities doing a lot of great things. But this is one thing that, I mean, this hits the families really hard. Really I mean, hard. Seven, ten, fifteen thousand dollar yeah. costs. Uh, you know, it's not like, uh, in addition to all the grief and, and terrible we things had, that go are associated with You know what it's like? We've had two suicides in my family, and I can't even imagine if we would have had to worry about the funeral. I mean, yeah. we weren't rich either time by any stretch of the imagination, but we could affair, we could afford mm-hmm. to bury my, my brother-in-law and my, and my mom, uh, at the time. It's what do you do with 300 bucks? Nothing. Yeah. Maybe you Nothing. can cremate them, but there's no, no service. <laughs> not even, not even cremate them. For I, that. I, I've done, we've had, you know, family <clears throat> uh, recently where that's been the case. It was a heck of a lot more than $300. Really? I'll tell you that. <laughs> Jeez. It's like, okay, we got what we wanted out of you. Um, see ya and then you're just left to your own well, devices the problem is i mean you know you don't want to get into a situation to where somebody says you know like you know my life insurance doesn't cover suicide no right mine's you know? void if, yeah if that so happened. i mean you don't want to you don't want to incentivize people because when they no, get right. really down then they're like you know what i'm better off i'm worth more dead than alive i mean think of george sure. bailey mm-hmm. i'm i'm worth mm-hmm. more dead than alive that was a movie but no, I, <laughs> I mean, jeez, I can't believe you'd bring something like that up. It's not even factual. <laughs> um, no, he was on that bridge. And now, Clarence, had anyway. you started with the documentary, It's right. a Wonderful Life. <laughs> yeah, then I would have been on board. Yeah. Right, okay. But anyway, you, you, um, you, know, you don't want to incentivize, but then you, we've got to do something There's because do they're, something. they're screwed yeah. up because we asked them to serve. Yeah, and they go through hell over there. It's just it's sheer living hell. And when they come back, they need help. And and usually, oftentimes, the VA just turns their back on them. Uh, the VA, we know, is is just a massive government bureaucracy, and they just don't function well. And then when you have the numbers they have to deal with, a lot of these guys are getting lost in that shuffle. So it's 22 per day. And if that's where we, can, we come in. Uh, you, you can help by going to dogtakefurniture.com. Dogtagfurniture.com and buy one of these these wood flags. Troy, Troy gets nothing out of this. He's he he doesn't take a salary for this. He gets nothing out of it. So and if you don't want a flag, just give him the money. Yeah, say make the flag for somebody <laughs> right. else, you know, or whatever. But but uh, this is a way to help these these families. Yeah, and and Trump obviously came in with a one of his big mandates was to fix the VA. And that has not happened yet. Uh, to his credit, he seems to be replacing. It looks like he may be re- replacing some of the leadership he put in uh, because it hasn't happened fast enough. I, you know, I, you know it's just one of those things that's inexcusable. Should happen. I mean that that yeah. that should be. It's a national crime. It really is. It is. It's a national crime. You you remember, mm-hmm. Pat? Yes. I mean, uh, I worked with Jim Lago years ago in uh, in Corpus Christi. He's still there. He was a Vietnam vet and. You know, he was really proud of his service. When he got back, nobody else was proud of his service because it was Vietnam. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that kind of, you know, twisted him and, and, and the whole Vietnam experience kind of kind of twisted him. And, and and I remember thinking, I don't ever want to be a part of a society that treats our Vietnam vets and the way we And he was messed did. up, too, right? When yeah. he came back, he was yeah. messed up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's great now. Yeah. Um, but when you, when you look at it, I, I think we're actually worse. We may be worse. We have, for instance, did you know yesterday they voted in the Senate to continue the war? Now, listen to this, to continue the war in um, Yemen, Yemen. Yeah. And what war? I, what war until in recently, Yemen? I didn't even know we were in yes. a war in Yemen. Yes. 
So, but they didn't actually say we endorse the war. We're going to fund the war. They just said, no, the president can do that. Now, Barack Obama is the one who started the war in Yemen. We have a proxy war with Iran and we're fighting it with the Saudis. Now, mm-hmm. if we believe in that, that's good. But nobody even discussed it with us. It just happened. Yep. And so Mike Lee and Bernie Sanders, of all people, stood up yesterday and said, look, this has got to stop. We, we have the power of war. You can start something, but after 90 days, you come to Congress. Well, it's been, what, three years? Long time, yeah. Long time. Nobody even knows. We're sending people into harm's way for God only knows what. We're having them fight in our name. None of us even know. They're killing themselves at record record number they're broken mm-hmm. we know that the va is broken we know that they're broken and none of us really talk about it i mean it's it's yeah. it's pretty horrifying what's happening it pretty is horrifying it is and these are the people who are willing to do what the rest of us aren't uh, uh, that's a pretty tough job and it takes uh, immense amounts of courage and patriotism and uh, guts and 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 then they're treated like this later on it's despicable. Okay, so it's, it's immoral. It's dogtagfurniture.com yep. and uh, and just go there. They don't make anything on it. This is just one guy trying to help yeah. pay for funerals. It's not furniture like chairs and no, it's, uh, tables. It's, so, you know, something hanging on the wall. Yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. dogtagfurniture.com. Um, can we just talk a little bit about um, uh, it looks like Bill O'Reilly was right. I've been, uh, you know, we have monitors in front of us, and so I can see what, you know, Fox is doing, MSNBC is doing, and CNN is doing. CNN. With all of the things that are going on, CNN has been almost nonstop Stormy Daniels. Yeah, and all. associated uh, yeah. women. Right. right. <laughs> I mean, it's just, and Bill said this was coming. Yeah, he said he, this was going to be the next big push, and it yeah. seems like he was definitely right on that. Right. Well, and especially with the news yesterday that she supposedly passed a lie detector test. That's mm-hmm. going to fire him up even more. Nah, it, what? lie detector test thing is i will say very sketchy sketchy science in fact it's not science um but, the, but i go back and watch the pendulette uh, bs on on uh, lie, lie detector tests it's fascinating how those things actually work which really they just don't uh but still that's why you can't use them in yeah, in court you can't use yeah. them in court but they're sti- unreliable you know it's it's become a, a story and and now it's an indicator though one of the right? it's one, one of, indicator and one of the other women now who is coming after this Trump. Playboy Playmate or whatever? Another no. one who no. signed an NDA. This yeah. is the third one. Oh, um, somebody besides the Playmate? Yeah, she was the reality show. Yeah, star. oh right, she on was Apprentice. the first one. She to me is the one that has the most credibility because she was on Apprentice. Because she was on Apprentice and she didn't say anything. She wasn't going for money, mm-hmm. and she wasn't even when she saw him. You know, and and he said, "No, I'm I'm good. I don't." Do- she was like, okay, I've got to say something. She stood up and said something. Then she just dropped off the face of the earth. And she only she only really got a bee in her bonnet when he said, uh, no, she's a liar. Then she was like, okay. No. Well, yeah, that would piss me yeah, off, too. No, if no, it no, really no. happened. Yeah, I'm not a liar. So she's mm. suing the president just to correct that she is not a liar. And she's like, he defamed me. And so I, I, I'm suing yesterday in court. They, they used the Clinton standard and said, eh, if Bill Clinton can be sued for this, so can, so Trump. can any president. Mm-hmm. And so 
that one to me is going to be the one that I think causes the problem. The Stormy Daniels thing and all that. I mean, first of all, I mean, well, I think it's, I mean, it's all priced in. Yes, I, 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 I was going to say it's all priced in. Did we not all kind of, you know, we, well, we knew everybody's, this was already, everybody's excused anything he did before, let's say, 2016, before 2015. Anything yeah. that he did, we've all understood. Before, he did plenty. I right? would say 2016. I would say 1143 <laughs> Eastern time. <laughs> that is the, probably more accurate. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. I mean, you yeah. know, we, we, and, and, but it's all priced in. Yeah. It's all yeah. priced in. If you don't like him, yeah. this isn't going to make you necessarily not like him more. If you thought he had a problem with his character before, you probably have already priced that in. If you think that he's great and you're going to excuse anything he's done since before 2016, then mm-hmm. this isn't going to change your mind. No. And here's well, the, here's the only tough part. If you're an evangelical, you're a Christian. Oh, it's not tough for them at all. No, well, the leadership they're they're fine with it, right? Because they're saying because anything he did, yeah. But he's denying all of this, right? So if it comes out and it's and you know there is a blue dress, well, wait a minute. Then he was lying to you. Then mm-hmm. you know, and then and, that will be in the past. It's a way. It's a wonder how that works. <laughs> uh, then that one will be in the past. Yes, uh, I think though it's more interesting to look at how this has changed us. You know, I, I mean, look at this. This is amazing. This is, here's the poll, and I, and I want to make this. This is very. The wording on this is very important. Uh, it, uh, we do you agree with this that an elected official who has committed an immoral act in their personal life can still behave ethically and fulfill their duties in the public and professional life? Okay, this is not saying. This do you believe Bill Clinton or, or Donald Trump? Right. Mm-hmm. It's not saying. Do you? Because you can say. Oh, Stormy Daniels, I don't believe that with him. Mm-hmm. That's not the question. The question is, if someone does violate uh, Ethic. something in the ethical standards, can they perform their duties in the public life? In 1998, when that question was asked, 77% of Democrats said, it's a private matter. No, no worries. 77%. Now, of course, this is when Bill Clinton's going on, right? At that time, Republicans, only 28% said, it's just a private matter. So 77% of Democrats in 1998, 28%. <laughs> of Republicans in 1998. Mm-hmm. Now let's move to 2017. Yeah. Where now there's a Republican president. Well, they being, they is, all is, say the same thing. Oh, they all very consistent values I'm guessing here. that it's still in the 20s and still in the 80s. Now Republicans, <laughs> 67% say it's a private matter. 67% from 28 to 67. Yeah. For Democrats, only 26% say it's a private matter from 77 to 26. <laughs> well, the good news is that the numbers haven't changed that much. It's just the people <laughs> that have changed. <laughs> All right. Let me tell you about Simply Safe. Simply Safe Home Security. They are prepared for anything that can be thrown at this security system. A storm takes out your power. They're ready. An intruder cuts your phone line. They're ready. Your cell phone goes down or your Wi-Fi goes down. They're ready. Say they destroy the keypad and the siren. Yep. Still going to call police. So maybe it's a little overkill, but I don't think so. I mean, I want, I want to keep my family safe no matter what simply safe home security it is really great and it's not going to cost you an arm and a leg uh, not even going to cost you a toe they only charge what is fair 24 7 professional security monitoring is 14 dollars 99 a month and there is no contract and you own the system no contracts no hidden fees simply go there now and save simply simplysafebeck.com protect your home and your family today simplysafebeck.com glenn beck mercury
Glenn Beck. What are we going to do? The Parkland situation is out of control. Uh, now they have found yet another uh, sheriff's deputy asleep on the job, um, you know, a month after the shooting. Amazing. Two kids have come into uh, class with knives, uh, and one was just expelled for making a bomb threat at school. And let us not forget that only 30 minutes before the officer was found sleeping on duty, other deputies arrested the brother of the shooter for trespassing. Yeah, and he he eluded the locks and security. And he said he just wanted to soak it all in. Yeah. Which is a wow. Wow. Holy um, cow. The result of this, uh, these multiple uh, security issues over the past couple of days. Bulldozer? Today, well, I... <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if they wind up just bulldozing the school and just breaking it up into another district at this point. This is turning it up to be Horrible. such a disaster. 700 kids are absent from school today. 700. Would you go to that school? I don't think I would. I don't think, I, I don't think I'd let my kids go to that yeah. school. I would be demanding that the sheriff's uh, the sheriff is replaced. How does he still have it? I'm surprised How does this guy there? have a job? This is How a, does he have a job? Disaster. Yeah. I mean, this is just, there's something really wrong in this whole district. I don't know what it is, but uh, man, if I were a parent, I would not be standing for it. How can you, when you know the microscope is on you right now, how is your security not perfect? Uh, this is the time. How is your deputy just not sleeping? <laughs> you got to stay awake. Yeah, it's it's I mean, called Red Bull. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Stay awake. Yeah. That's, that's one of the prerequisites. Can you stay awake? Glenn Beck Mercury